I look through the lens of improvisation through kind of everything I do, not just music related, like any other kind of creative projects, uh, really just anything um, kind of going about my life. And I know people talk about that all the time. And that's been a thing since like the 60s where people say that life is an improvisation and I don't I don't need to do that, uh, that move. But I think um, I'm particularly drawn to improvisation and the idea of um, not really having a set plan going into something just because of uh, <laughs> my lack of training or just kind of being an informal artist uh, in, you know, the most basic terms possible. Um, it's kind of the only way I really know how to work. I didn't really know how to write music or compose stuff properly um, using like traditional not notation until fairly recently. I started doing a little bit more of that kind of stuff um, over the last two years, but primarily I'm interested in kind of what happens when you go into a situation either socially, um, you know, like with yourself against the environment or with a collaborator, um, you know, musically or otherwise. But it, it is really interesting. I'm really interested in different spaces and how improvisation and human interaction kind of are tied together so much. Uh, just because like, you know, going back to like the free jazz 60s thing, it's like everybody improvises in conversation every day and you meet new people or like you meet, you know, so your friend has like a new partner or something and you meet them and you're like, oh shit, they suck. Like I'm going to have to <laughs> figure out how to navigate this situation um, and basically figure out an, an outcome that, you know, would work for you. Uh, not, you know, not that that's the most important aspect of it, but kind of figuring things out as you go is what I'm drawn to. Hopefully that answered no, no, one, I, one part. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Because I, I mean, it's interesting that you said like, oh, since the sixties, we've been doing this of, you know, life and music and improvisation as kind of a thread that cuts through. But to be honest, uh, at least when I'm, you know, uh, when I was improvising quite a lot, people wanted to leave music as music and, you know, uh, and, you know, make it this space, you know, enclosed in space where, you know, yeah, wanted to just simply defend certain autonomy Pro of the music. Like estate. produce, improvise music. Yeah. And so for you, like for, <laughs> then, you know, and I think your work is obviously doing the opposite. It's like really making bridge and very porous relationship with your life and, you know the you know what the records that I've heard, but it's a you know you certainly are troubling that kind of notion of improvised music as these abstract you know kind of forms of sounds, and that I find I find it extremely refreshing and and very inspiring. Oh yeah, thanks. I I'm I'm trying to think. I I have this really weird thing where especially improvisers, uh, and you know not. Uh, not to, you know, talk down or anything like that or, or, you know, compare different styles, like different sub-sub-genres of music in, like, this tiny world that most people don't even know about. Um, but I feel like improvisers have this certain rock star quality to them, like a, a micro-celebrity status because they have all of these parameters that they refuse to work, like, or they, like, refuse to work without these, like, really rigid parameters. Like, it has to be improvised in a certain way and, like, a lot of improvisers are like, oh, yeah, I really want to play to the room, which is more addressing acoustics and not, uh, you know, coincidence, I guess. Uh, 
like if the air conditioning unit in the room is really loud, most improvisers will be like, can we turn that off? It's like, why would you turn it off? Like you've got, you were programmed to play in this room. It, that is part of it. Or like people are talking or something like that, which is always really upsetting. And, you know, you don't feel respected, but you will, you're also like scraping shit against an instrument. Like how much respect is that really? i'm just kidding but it it is really interesting interesting yeah Yeah, it just seems very odd to put so much importance on this thing that's supposed to be the most freeing kind of music but there's still even more parameters than pop music has these days yeah yeah so you also got the feeling that you encounter many limitations or like i mean do you had at the beginning this kind of sense of allowance of, of of freedom, but then maybe you realized a bit the limitations of that freedom or yeah, it, it just seems like any other musical genre. It doesn't seem like there's there's really any more or less freedom. Um, but it it definitely has less freedom than it kind of tries to um kind of declare because it's it's always like free improvised music, free jazz. And I don't know much about jazz music, like I know, you know, as much as anybody else. But as like a white person in America who didn't grow up listening to jazz, I'm not going to try to address it. Um, but I do know about improvised music and and my experience with that, so I can address that. Um, but it, yeah, it just seems way more limiting than than like even pop music, which is so crazy with like the whole hyper pop thing and PC music. And I know that's even a dated dated idea at this point, but that just seems like so much more experimental and the whole thing of free improvised music is, you know, you're experimenting and, and trying to create something that's never happened before. And it's like, well, if you're doing a, a trio gig with drum sax and bass and you're free improvising and everybody's playing with like chains or a fork or something, it's, it could you find. You are turning Machine down. Machine now, he's not interested in coming back to import improv anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, but I mean, obviously it's not that, I mean, there is people like Claire doing, you know, it's not, I mean, but you used to, I mean, did you, did you used to play, I mean, the more drums in a kind of, yeah. that kind of way or? Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I love doing it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it seems like it's so fun and, and there's a whole other aspect to it, right? Like I'm obviously just focusing on the, the bad parts of it, but it's really nice to connect with other musicians in that kind of way, especially people that you've never played with before and you're in front of an audience and you have to figure out how to make it work kind of like human relationships, which is kind of how I tied the two things together in my head at least, um, which is kind of why I'm interested in both things. But yeah, I, I used to play drums and I did the drums thing for free improvised music. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of improvisers, they have this idea that they have to master either the instrument or the act of improvising. And I think that's totally bogus. Like, I don't know why you would want to master an instrument or master the art of improvising. But like, I, I've been jokingly calling myself a professional amateur for like the last year now. And I feel like that's really true. Like if you don't even know yourself that well, how can you freely improvise and like truly have a, a in the moment expression? A lot of these free improvisers have like, weird personalities and like celebrity status at this point and it's like like when you uh, when you go to see somebody play you know what they're gonna sound like and like doesn't that isn't that already like <laughs> the you know the opposite of what the the genre like uh 
definition would be or something like that. Sorry, I'm getting all these yeah, emails. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, don't let me derail it, this. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's very good. It's, I think, I mean, I, I have to ask it because, it's, I mean, it's true that many improvisers, they kind of build their own subjectivity as a trademark and, you know, it's like then they get the recognition and they continue and it's like, and it becomes kind of a vicious circle. But for, like, what I get the impression, as you said, you know, your, yourself, that you don't even know yourself. So how can you pretend, you know, and, and, right. and it makes me think of, you know, when you talk about being honest or, um, or, you know, doing honest music and is, um, and I, 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 you know, like w when I've been hearing your music, it makes me think of a form of open source subjectivity in the sense that you are letting that confusion to be part of the, 100%. of the process of it. Yeah. And that that's extremely, you know, uh, especially in this, you know, uh, fragile and vulnerable times, is something that resonates. I think with, uh, you know, with everybody. Everybody's like, I think, very confused. So to pretend, you know, to yeah, suddenly... pretend you know what you're doing or something like that. Like especially, you know, playing a gig is one thing, but as a professional artist or some sort of micro celebrity. Pretending you have a handle on everything while, you know, every venue you used to play on tour is closing down because they can't afford to stay open. And the record labels you're working with can't afford to put out your record. And just like all these things are happening. And, you know, I, I mean, I was even in the same boat, like, you know, can't tour. So it's like, oh, I have to work at a restaurant now. And just like things are going so poorly and still fronting and kind of like posturing in this really almost like machismo way. Um, where it's like, no, I, I have it together. Like, I, I've got it figured out. This is my thing, and I'm going to do it until I, I can't do it anymore. And it's like, well, that's already happening, so maybe you should reevaluate and kind of figure out a more honest way of doing this, or at least, you know, like being a little bit more open. Um, I like to be really open about, like, my financial situation on the Internet because I'm a child. Um, and I like to cause issues, but it's so interesting to see people pretending that they make money from music and improvising and they don't like, they work at a bar like everybody else. <laughs> For a very long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have been experiencing this very precarious, uh, situation and as well the asymmetries, because even if you talk about the differences between genres in which there is this input of money, let's say dance music. Right. There is a huge difference between UK where I am living and a team that is living in Berlin, no? There is this <laughs> whole different <laughs> way of approaching club culture. And with improv, I guess it's the same. States has a different... It's very hard. And how are you doing, not just with financial aspects, but right. I guess your work pays a lot of attention to intimacy and um, yeah, how we construct human bonds that are full mm -hmm. of nuances. And now that we are constantly being mediated by technology, for example, now right. this screen, uh, audio interface, etc., etc. <laughs> Are you changing the way in which you address this? Because I guess you cannot construct a very dense atmosphere in a live setting or something like that. You would need to find like new ways, no? 
Yeah. And I think, I think part of that is just being honest that you're figuring it out. Like I've been doing these zoom, uh, or maybe not zoom. What are they called? Um, like Twitch and like live streaming concerts. And it's like the worst thing I've ever done. I hate it. Like it's the worst. (laughs) Um, cause I, I mean, especially like col- the collaborative ones I'm doing, I'm playing, uh, some collaborative sets later on with people that were collaborating from different countries and creating a piece together. And that's kind of fun when you have the resources to hire people to, you know, record you and come and do like a professional video. But a lot of people are just doing concerts using the webcam like we're doing right now. Like this would be the setup that I have for, you know, like a concert from my house. Um, and I feel, I feel like just, just being honest, like this is the best I can do right now. And I don't think this is by any means a good representation of the work I was doing previously, uh, in a live performance setting and interacting with people, you know, in person. But I think this is the best way I can do it now. And being honest, like, I know it's not great. Um, and there's a lot of other people doing live streams that are way more high fidelity and the production value is just, you know, like they have more resources. Uh, but a lot of people, especially in the U S I've seen, it's just, it is like garbage. It sounds bad. It looks bad. Like just the quality is so terrible that you can barely get, get these like musical and like aesthetic ideas across because the limitations from the technology. But at the same time, there's people like Hobbiting stone and people like that doing like the non-music kind of poetry focused kind of sound collage thing. She's a really good friend, um, and she's done some great live streams where it's just the audio and video quality is just terrible, and her dog is barking, like, the whole time <laughs> while she's playing piano. But, I mean, that was the most honest performance I've seen online so far. It was awesome. It was, like, 12 minutes, and she's like, yeah, this isn't working, and she just closed the computer. It's awesome. Like, that. that's what I want to see, and that's kind of, I think, the best way to navigate the current situation rather than trying to pretend you're at a show like at a club or something and you're in your room, like my bed is right there. Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not at a club. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is interesting because suddenly we have access to everyone's like bedroom or little space of intimacy in their house. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I don't know why people are putting this fucking like backgrounds when it's much more interesting to see the, like the little detail of their houses. But I find, for example, I saw one of your, I think it's on YouTube and it's quite popular in which at a certain moment you are reading like notebook notations. Yeah, like kind of journal uh, notations. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuff, find it interesting because we externalize our thoughts generally in in a notebook. Right, right outside our mind okay so but then it's reenacted by the way in which we we read aloud this mm-hmm. but at the same time you are very aware that this is a sort of a streaming context so it's simplifying this sort of because a journal is some something that it's it's quite intimate you know the 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 very material piece that the right. journal is not like a piece of a score like a paper, music right. paper. No, and even the journal has like an exterior, like the two two exterior pages where it's providing secrecy and like mm. it's making it a private experience. So when you open it up, even open up the cover 
regardless of where you're turning, you're already opening yourself up that much. Like it's not the co- the words aren't covered anymore. You can see it, and now you're interacting with something that already happened to you, which like that is a whole other thing. But I mean, yeah, but I found that very interesting, and I think obviously there are uh, and. Uh, previous examples of this, I guess, in experimental music. Right. Rahan Lamkin has been doing this thing of reading notes for a very long time. Right. But I liked the fact of, uh, yeah, watching this YouTube clip with this, um, because when you repeat, I have to admit that I can see at the very end eventually problems with the way in which we talk about this honesty. And so, because obviously uh, we are taking for granted the access to a sort of transparent, uh, <laughs> I don't know if selfhood or what, but this this set of layers, let's say my screen, your camera, then the notebook, then your, your reenactment of your notes, right. that it's making explicit, or these layers of mediation, for me, it was much more honest than, let's say, what you were referring as high production values of right. super high quality camera in front of your face and you are singing, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. My point is, if you have thought about this, uh, this honesty as something in which an attitude in which you present what it is, what it is is this state of confusion, blah, 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 or if there is something else, if there is a certain hope or I don't know how to describe this. Yes, some hope regarding accessing the real deal, the real thing, the vulnerability or the like the spinal uh, core of the event. I I am not being clear. I don't know if you can get something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So kind of like using, you know, the situation you're describing to kind of get to like a more core, uh, like not reality, but like a a more honest is the word we're throwing around a lot. But Yeah, I'm I'm bailing bailing the situation, you know, this sort of, or f- or fake thing in which you unveil what's behind the all the mascara, etc. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I think the journal is a really interesting way of working with it because I'd never really read my journal before, but I did on the performance. I was improvising, and I was like, "Well, it's on the desk. I might as well read it because I'm running out of stuff to do because I've never done this before." That was the first live stream I ever did, and it was the first one that Experimental Sound Studio presented. It happened in March of 2020, and it was the very first concert they did. They've done like a thousand of them now, I think, or like and twelve. It's the only one I watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. It was the first time I ever did it, and I, you know, I I wasn't used to improvising in my house. Um, and I think using things from you know, one, I have the background. You can see kind of like the the bed in the bedroom or the desk, and it's this other thing where it's when I would perform or improvise live, I mean, even if I'm performing something that's kind of pre-composed, it, it has a s- element of improvisation to it always. Um, and I'm interacting with 
other people in the room and the acoustics and the electricity and all these different things in the room. And now that I'm in my house and there's no external, uh, there's like nothing external to interact with besides my own objects, like my room, my things on my desk. And it's all, it's almost kind of self-centered in a way where it's, you know, like I think that that is maybe how I could get into answering your question where it's, it's this through the camera, through the audio interface and everything into the journal. It's like, I think that is, that's more honest and more a reflection of myself, maybe not honest, but I think it's more a reflection of myself and my own experiences, like at the very, uh, like the simplest and most raw version of those, just because I'm in my own space and the only things I have to interact with are myself. Um, aside from like the, the chat on the, the live streams, which is just horrific. Why, why would like, you're not going to talk during a concert. Why would you talk during a live stream concert? It's very interesting when you raise this this honesty thing in in different interviews. I, I guess uh, the idea that I want to somehow challenge is that when you try to be honest, it's like, and when we reinforce the idea that we can try to be honest, that there is certain former state that it has a higher ontological status of reality than the actual state. Somehow, if you say, I am not being honest, you are saying that this is a fake. There is something more real beyond this, right. yeah, yeah, this correct. construction or this mediation. And I am not saying that this is your case, our case whatsoever, but um, I see certain reactionary tropes using this term as a sort of comeback of essentialist postures in which you can go and you can find it, the, the, the real attitude, the whatever. You can use this for almost any, any example. And, and sometimes it serves to legitimize hate speech or uncomfortable thoughts or for example i have a, a, a direct question mm -hmm. now are you interested in honesty as a way of exploring for example uncomfortable thoughts uncomfortable situations yeah i mean i think see i think honesty isn't always i mean it's like a people always say like honesty isn't like the best thing all the time right like the the whatever the trope of like does this dress make me look fat that kind of thing um like it, maybe that's not the right answer but i think honesty could be used to i don't know you can address things that make make you uncomfortable but it doesn't necessarily make those things bad um there are things that are objectively bad like hate speech and you know racist behaviors and etc but there are even nuances in in addressing those things with honesty like i i would consider myself a racist person like i i think that i don't have the most complete view obviously like i don't have an experience outside of my own and i would say like most white people are generally pretty racist and like that honesty is like 
virtue signaling already. Like, that's like a hip thing to say, right? Like being a white person being like, I admit, like, I am racist. And it's like, that's already virtue signaling. And that's like kind of taking away from the honesty of admitting that. So I, I think you can address different things. And that's a really heavy topic that I am not qualified to talk about it, you know, very much. But I, I think you can address really uncomfortable things like that with honesty, but like even judging by your interactions with me talking about how I'm a racist, it's like we're uncomfortable right now. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm interested in using honesty to address things that are uncomfortable, but generally the 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 reason I want to do that is to get to a better place and to be um kind is not not a great word for it, but using honesty to make social interactions and the world in general just like a better place um which is yeah that sounds really like an ideal that we aren't gonna reach but do, do you understand what i'm saying yeah, i feel yeah, like i'm kind really, of rambling uh, no 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 it's uh yeah because, um yeah within uh, yeah following with the notion of honesty uh Hearing um, your conversation with Ken Vandenmark, yeah, I uh, was taken away by the way that you said, like I was, you know, uh, when I was doing, you know, that you 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 were able to identify, you know, I was not doing honest music, and I also was not honest with myself, and I'm I'm, you know, was it something that you were feeling at that time very clearly, or it's something that you identified afterwards? And what were the parameters to identify what was honest and what it was not honest? I, I think it was something I discovered after. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I had changed my behaviors without thinking about it and kind of mm -hmm. just coincidentally fell into something that's a little bit more honest, a little bit more um, thoughtful, like caring about what other people, how other people are impacted by my actions whether that's playing like a terrible improv set and getting paid for it anyways, or like, you know, what, whatever that action is. I think, I think during that conversation, that was kind of not the first time I had realized, but I, I definitely was able to address it a little with more clarity just because I, I was outside of the, the times that I had been really dishonest. Um, and even just performing like, Do you know how when artists are really influenced by somebody, you can hear other people's work in their work? And there's no way around that. But I was doing that to like such an extent where it's like people now that I'm friends with, I would just watch YouTube videos and like copy their tricks or whatever. And then that informed my voice, obviously, as like an independent person outside of like, you know, watching Chris Corsano like rip it for 45 minutes or something like that. And it's like people that I'm friends with now and they're like, yeah, it's really cool. You're not doing my thing. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I think I was only able to address it because I got out of it and that was just a coincidence. It's not because I, I was, you know, so self-aware that I, I was able to stop my actions. I was also like a child, like 16 years old and you're touring the U S playing free improv. Like you don't know what you're doing. I, so I, I think at a certain point you have to be a little bit forgiving with yourself too, which is part of the honesty thing. Like, I don't know. I, I think I've made bad records and they're still on the internet, but like... Uh, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about this? Because there is something interesting. I was uh, yesterday uh, watching your Discogs page and I remember 
uh, this particular moment, and I am pretty sure my team feels the same, in which you do improv and you are incredibly productive. You release shitloads of right. records every year. And I, I remember, I don't know if you were there, Martin, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago with Radu Malfati. And Radu Malfati talking about uh, that he doesn't like the idea of the brotherhood of breath recordings that he did in the late <laughs> 70s and so. And he's like, I would rather not release so many records. I know. Do you have the same sort of... Yeah, I mean, you regret this. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely regret some of it. And like some of the labels I worked with, I regret working with them too. Like, to be fucking honest, right? Like, (laughs) well, (laughs) I mean, well, fuck yeah. Like, I I had to go through this whole thing recently. And I'm not like an asshole. I just want to be honest. But it's like, you make a record for somebody, it sells out, and they never talk to you. You don't get artist copies. They don't pay you. Nothing happens. And you're like, why would I do all that work? And then on top of that, you're like, I put out like 10 other things this year that didn't do as well because I put out 10 things. And like, obviously, nobody has the time to care about like Claire's 10 cassette tapes on like American indie labels or whatever. So it's like, well, fuck, like I did the one thing and I did really well, but I didn't get paid for it. And I'm like really bummed that this label's like screwing me. And then on top of that, I have 10 other like records out, out that nobody's listening to because I already like pushed this other thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I could have I could have figured this out without putting all of this work into the world and then figuring it out. Like if I would have just sat on the record for a while, I could have not put it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, yeah, I mean, it was also one of those things where at a certain point you like every day, God, I just sound like such a prick. Uh, Every day, (laughs) every day I wake up and like, I get an email from somebody. Can I curse on this? I feel so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Please, please do. As much as you want. Okay, okay. Uh, No, like every day now I basically wake up and there's some label that's like, do you want to do something? And it's like really you know, I feel great and it makes me, it boosts my ego and whatever, but it makes me feel so weird. And it's like back like two or three years ago, I would have just sent them whatever I'm working on, regardless of like how much time it took me to work on it. If they're releasing it digitally or on vinyl, like none of those things crossed my mind when people would hit me up to do stuff like three or four years ago. So I would like put out a tape that I worked on for like two years on this label that does editions of 40. And then I would put out like, a 12 inch and make that in like a week. And just like, I didn't understand that there was a hierarchy of like, I mean, there shouldn't be obviously, but just like if somebody's sinking a ton of money into vinyl and then you just send them something you made on your phone, which I did do that. Um, and then somebody like, you know, is just dubbing tapes at home and you like hired a professional studio to track the record. Like that doesn't make sense to me now. Um, and I can't remember where I was going with this because I got super distracted by being rude. But it's good. No, no, no. I I, I think um, I am speculating, but, but I think you are uh, significantly younger than us. And I think yeah. you will reach this <laughs> point uh, in which you will be full of, I don't know if self indulgent thoughts or you will be more in peace or 
basically you don't give a fuck. It's like, okay, yeah, in 2019 or 2020, I re released the average of 11 records right. a year. That's insane. <laughs> but I am fine with this idea. This yeah. is something that I won't do again. No <laughs> the, way. The thing is, I'm talking shit on it right now, and I think I have like seven LPs this year. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> a lot of them are collaborative uh, and smaller runs. But I mean, I put out a record. It came out today, and like we sold a thousand copies already, which is insane. Congratulations! Um, it's, it's fucking insane. That yeah. is insane. Like these days, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty nuts. We just repressed it for like another six hundred copies, and that's cool. Like it's awesome. But um, yeah, I think I regret putting out that much material, and I think a lot of the material sounds so much the same. Like it's not the same improvisations, but it's the same ideas and the same tools I'm working with. Like you have like the singing bowls and the drums, and I only feel like the things that I really like, especially from the drum kit recordings, are once I started taking away objects instead of adding. I started with so much shit. Like I would tour and I would have like objects and drums and cymbals and all this stuff. And like slowly I was like, God, this is not sustainable. Just like even just like with setting up at a gig, like you're getting paid like $150 US and like <laughs> you drove for 12 hours and you like have to set up and sound check and like you're not going to use all that stuff you're bringing with you. So it's like, okay, well maybe I'll bring a couple drums and objects and then like record that. And then eventually it turned into like a snare drum with like one brush and like a block or something like that. And like, yeah, I was like, okay, this is way more what I'm interested in working with instead of like, it's the same thing with the music I'm doing now and just the ideas I'm interacting with now. It's like, I want to go more inside than outside because I really don't have, I'm young and I don't have the experience really to address situations that happen in the outside world, outside of my own head and experiences because I just, I haven't experienced that much and i really am self-conscious about that just because like but obviously your music doesn't sound solipistic uh, even though you say this that you want to go inside right in, in this piece that you did for amplify you have this sort of synthesized speech which right. is a sort of inner monologue huh? yeah but you have this crossfade with i don't know if it is field recordings yeah or definitely noise so I see this uh, violence from within, from yourself, whatsoever. Right. And uh, towards the end, you know that it's difficult to, to understand the speech, right. at, at least for me. And I see that it's, it's not purely solipistic inside your head and that's all, all the activities in there. No, there is certain juxtaposition. And obviously you are pro producing something in the listener. With right in particular in particular right and also the fade at the end where you cannot understand the text like yeah. obviously that was intentional like and may or may not have been just because i was using language i was like "Ooh, is this okay <laughs> but i i i really like the idea of having this kind of confessional aspect to my work because that piece is obviously that is the the you know emotional territory that that occupies but in addition to the confessional aspect, it's the self-conscious, like the self-consciousness that comes with confessing all these things that are like, well, what are people going to think? And that starts going from like assessing outside situations and bringing them in. Like obviously the field recordings are, you know, like sonically those are outside things. The text are the inside thoughts in my head. But 
as you're kind of losing losing the text that you're hearing, uh, you it's like becoming inaudible. I think part of that decision was like kind of when you are confessing all these things it's like you by the time you've gotten enough off your chest you start thinking about how it's actually going to affect you rather than just feeling better because you confess everything and you're like oh i feel so much better but then the person you're confessing it to could be like fuck you and like that's like that starts seeping in and you're like oh like getting really self-conscious and it's it is really interesting like addressing outside situations that are just hypotheticals but you still retain that kind of anxiety and shame from it that is kind of how I was thinking about that piece. And that really informed like so much more of the stuff I'm doing now um, where I just, I get to say absurd stuff, even just how the internet or in interviews or like on the phone with my friends, just saying things that are a little bit more sometimes obtuse, but like really like jarring sometimes. And it's like, you think back on it, it's like, Oh, maybe I wasn't in the right there, but that's what I was thinking. So I had to say it. Um, and I think that's kind of where the honesty gets tied back into that too. Like, even if you're saying things that you feel self-conscious about, or you know that there's going to be some sort of negative reaction or pushback to it, at least saying it is being honest. And I feel that way about a lot of these, like really not PC, uh, like politically correct, like podcasters now, cause that's like a whole thing in itself. And I think that's amazing. Like, I don't, I think some of the things they're saying, they're incorrect. And like, I think sometimes they're not informed, but just like people saying this stuff and like, they are so unfiltered, but they're the in the center of them. Like they're trying to do something good. They're just doing it in the worst way possible. Or like, it's but really haphazard. that it's somehow like they are being seduced and there is a feedback loop in which the trunk, uh, let's say, the potential transgression and seduction that um, com conveys a message, but as well the, the bigger seduction towards more, more people uh, um, feeding back yourself back again with more attention because you attract attention by saying these things al aloud, no? And you are aware right. about where, where your seduction is being effective. Um, uh, I mean, being being inflammatory draws attention. Absolutely. Uh, there, yeah, but not only that, because uh, here there are a lot of different interesting things going on. First, the confessional aspect. Right. I think that's that's fantastic. But then as well, this this thing of this is a notion that maybe you you are aware of this uh, that exists. Uh, since I think ancient uh, Greek uh, philosophy, but then Foucault um, reactivated this this notion in the context of post May '68, and um, um, talks about yeah how we can speak aloud, uh, talk about our th inner thoughts blandly, this, um, this sort of, uh, let me see how I express this. Aparasia, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the notion, no? But it's how we go beyond, um, we are truth truthful about our own opinions and ideas, 
but without the intention of manipulate the other. And what I see in certain podcasts, like what is understood as the dirty back left, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all this, what I see here is a clear, they are very strategic and they are very self-aware about their own self image, how they project this, they manipulate the environment. So it's right. not that you present something because imagine as, as famously then afterwards they were criticized, all these people, Foucault, etc., that they were uh, like talking about the nuances, for example, of being attracted by young people, no? Something that right. now we would call pedophilia. Right. It's not that we are covering the fact that we have desire towards people under 18. Right. No. What we are talking here is about saying, producing hot takes, provocative, transgressive <laughs> stuff, because I have more attention, more people on Patreon, more money. Yeah. I, am, I mean, I am, yeah. I am exploding this. You know? Yeah, I mean, you have like $100,000 a month on the line. Like, Jesus. But for me, that's not honesty. It's just that no, you, it's are not like, honesty. you are exploiting a difference that could be a difference in temperature in the room. Some room that it's very mild, very wide, very polite. And another room that has a lot of hot air <laughs> going up and down and producing a lot of soap. I don't know. Because I, I think, I mean... The the comparison of like you know the the 2021 hot take on a failing podcast and like or I think they're failing I think that stuff's gonna be out in like five years like those people are gonna be fucked they won't have a job but uh, just because like I think people are getting over the shock factor I think even it, like you see it happen all the time in hip hop music like Tyler the Creator doesn't mean fucking shit to most people these days but when he first came out in like the like late 2000s and he was like all shock factor like people ate that shit up and I think being inflammatory like obviously you know garners attention and like what you were talking about like they're doing it it's like very intentional very strategic which I think isn't very honest but it could be honest if they just we're upfront about it. And they're like, we know that this gets attention. Like, I, I feel like that's not that hard of a thing to do. And I think the consumers would still consume all those things, like all those podcasts, if they were just like, oh yeah, we do this because it gets attention, but then we also address other issues. And I think that would be way cooler. But I, I try to like, I view it from the outside. I'm not like super involved or anything, but I, I think it is really funny. And comparing that to like, when it, before p pedophilia was like a thing or like, you know, you had like the language for it. And, and it's also like, how, and, oh God, I don't want to get into like if, if pedophilia is actually bad. The, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Matt's like, oh God. This is not live. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I feel like it's one of those things where the bar kind of always changes, like what is acceptable is always changing. So like talking about being into younger people where somebody who would be like 15 or 16 years of age, but like back when that was a thing, like those people would be married and like living together and having children. But now it's like a fucked up thing to do. Not like, and like things change all the time. And like, obviously I think religion plays a whole, a huge part in it, especially like Christianity 
like, cause Christianity is like, you have to respect the law to respect God. Like part of honoring the Lord is like honoring the laws that are on the, that govern you. Cause he ultimately has control. And that's a huge thing in the U S cause it's like, a, it's like not a Christian nation, but it obviously fuck, like it fucking is. Um, but I think the way that like how things are always changing those podcasts and like even really like a, um, you know, like shock factor music and stuff always plays into it. Like Marilyn, uh, Marilyn Manson, like was like a huge shock factor, like when he was first coming out. But I mean, now he is too, cause he, he did some yeah. fucked shit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm totally negating like my own point here, but I, I think, I think, do you know what I mean though? Like Marilyn Manson's not scary anymore. Like, but like he was at a certain point and like people thought he was like a really bad dude. Like he, I mean, he is a bad dude, but there was like that in-between period where it was like, oh, it's not really that harmful. Like he's kind of just doing theatrics. And I think the the podcasting thing is the same way. Like 10 years ago, you could like call everything gay and now it's like not okay to say that. And it's like, how long until that goes away again? And I, I think using using these kinds of like yes and like these basically things that are no nos, <laughs> like things that are not acceptable now will be accept- acceptable later, and they have been acceptable before. Not saying that that makes them right or wrong, but I think paying attention to that and exploiting that is not very honest, but it's at least self aware. Like these people seem very self aware, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and it's. So. I have a limited experience, eh? but Same. yeah, I, yeah, there are. A, but oh. it seems to be a U.S. phenomenon, no? Or at least more than in Europe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like because the, the U.S. is just like so fucked in like its own special gross way. Like, I think there's a lot. There's not a, a lot more to address because obviously in the U.K. and Europe and like there's still fucked up stuff that's happening all the time ah, that everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a lot, and but it's like I, I think even like U.K. and the U.S. like between like Trump and Brexit, like there's a lot to talk about. And I think, I think these podcasts probably wouldn't exist without those things either. Some, uh, sort of, uh, well, maybe Clinton is the, is the real, you know, Clinton is, you know, what kind of a very important example of how to, you know, show the corruption of, you know, liberal, right. you know, Democrats, you know, that, and, and, you know, that's, I guess, you know, they come very much as a reaction to that, or at least, you know, they put her as an example of what, right you know, yeah. what's wrong and you know but then i guess there is other examples of how um yeah basically the corruption of the moralism and corruption of the moralism of the liberal left you know which i guess that's what they are responding against no or yeah i think i would think so i'm i'm not totally aware i know but it's like the same thing like uh, well, I, I voted for joe biden i don't want to vote for joe biden like he's on all those like Epstein flight logs or whatever, right? Like the dude touched kids. There's like no debating that. Uh, but if we're like pro pedophilia on this podcast, my point's totally gone. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's, you know, I think it's a pretty common experience throughout, especially just like even people that wouldn't identify with like liberal or left or whatever, just people that are progressive in like any sense. They're like, yeah, like I'm voting for this person you know, because with the hope that things will change towards what I think they should be, like, 
voting for Joe Biden, you're like, oh, it'd be really cool if he took all of the brown kids out of cages in the U.S., but like he's not doing that. So it's like, well, we tried, we voted. And it's like, I think that's kind of where it changes, where it's like, well, are you going to do something about it? Or like, are you going to just have the commentary? And I think that's where the honesty kind of like you can flip that switch or not. So it's like, yeah, well, but there is this sort of link between the idea of honesty and the idea of purity, because, for example, you can argue you have. Well, I mean, myself for a while, I was an example of this, that I disagree with a lot of stuff from Western democracies. So right. I didn't participate in yeah, the general elections and so. But then you think about it and it's, it's not that you are suddenly when you vote, when you participate in the elections and you vote for someone like Joe Biden, that you don't give a fuck, right. that you are deactivating your political agency for no. the next four yeah. or five years. <laughs> but we have this sort of, yeah, idea of purity that you have to preserve. And now, at least right now, maybe Martin can say something about this, but for myself, I, th I think about this and it's like, but what sort of stuff I was trying to preserve for? Because obviously you are making a statement, no? Active absence of both, I think, means a lot, particularly in certain regions. Right, yeah, of course. But, yeah, if it is trying to preserve certain purity, I think it could be problematic. I mean, I also think preserving, like, purity is an idea that, the like, the left or like Democrats don't really, well, not Democrats, but like, you know, people that are far left or, you know, really progress, like true progressives or whatever. Like, I think the idea of purity is like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they don't believe in it and they're still fighting for it in like a weird way, like not voting to, uh, to, you know, maintain some sort of, whatever, like purity or like agency, like you don't believe in that anyways, because things are so different. Like, I, I feel like things are so fucked up now that like the idea of purity is like, how am I, I had a thought and it's like escaping me. Just like thinking, I don't know. I just feel like the left is assuming all these things that like the right and like Republicans and like very conservative people have been like harping on for ages. The idea of purity is like not a progressive thing, really. You know what I mean? No, yeah, not yeah. at all. But I mean, the th I guess the, like I guess what you know the issue around I mean, honesty. Uh, maybe in Europe it has different connotations, you know. I th and I think because um, and I'll try to explain this. I think. Um, yeah, there is, it implies that you could, as you were saying before, you know, I didn't know whether I was honest or not honest, but at some point through accidental kind of processes, I start to understand that I was a bit more honest. But the, the problem is that it uh, presupposes that you can, at any given moment, understand the situation Almost as not, not as if it was transparent, but and maybe this is where it connects to the question of purity, but as if you are able to assess it 
you know, so it assumes a kind of an understanding of what's going on. And it assumes that you have the agency to apply a kind of um, decision to it, uh, which you think is uh, appropriate according to some uh, yeah, belief in truth or belief in, you know, what, you know, what belief on what you are. So it assumes that you know who you are. I mean, it assumes that you know, you know, what is actually more true or not. But this, um, uh, you know, the ability to do this, I guess, in these very confusing times is such a difficult. Uh, yeah. So, so I would like, I would like to understand better what are the mechanisms that allow you to say, you know, uh, with such a confidence, I'm being honest because uh, I don't have them. <laughs> Simply... You know. Yeah. No, I think I think admitting you don't have that, <laughs> admitting you have a problem is the first step. But like I, admitting you you don't you don't really know yourself, you know, entirely. But like, who does really? Uh, but admitting you don't have it all figured out is, I think, part of the honesty. No. Mm, yeah. 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 But then, they, and I guess the other thing is the um, how you conceive yourself as an individual. You know, is it? Uh, you know, is part of a, you know, individual process that you have to go through or is it something of a collective, you know, thing that you do it with others and, you know, in conversation you realize then. Um, so that's um, because the ability to say I'm being honest is, you know, it's a very, it's, it, yeah, it assumes that you as an individual can just basically make this assessment. So, right. I, but I don't think being honest is the end the end goal. Okay. Does okay, that make okay. sense? Yeah, yeah, but to continue, please. Um, so being honest, I think, is like the very, very first step on this because the whole reason I'm, I have this weird fixation on being honest and being true or whatever, whatever those mean at any given moment, right? Because that can change all the time as we were discussing. I think the... I don't really know what the end goal is, but the further thing that I've been examining recently is like okay, like I have to be honest with myself first and then honest with the people around me. And I, I think the next step is like, are my actions, you know, positively or negatively affecting the people that I love or the people that I'm close to or the people I interact with on a daily basis? Um, because I think that is way more important to me than being actually, like actually being honest. I think being honest with yourself, being like, are, are there things I do that are fucking up these people? my friends' lives because I was doing that. Like I was a burden for a really long time. Just like, you know, being a bad friend or like being, a, you know, not a fun person to be around or kind of being really snarky and judgmental and all these things. It's like, well, I'm not really being honest with myself, which is why I'm acting this way. And because I'm acting this way, I'm harming other people. And I think even if I'm not shooting up a school, or like having sex with kids or something, I'm still really fucking up other people's lives. Like I'm making it harder for them to exist, part, like specifically because of things I'm doing. Like I was talking shit on something the other day with my friend uh, Mari. She plays under the name of Maurice. She like does like electronic music. She's fucking brilliant. I was talking with her and her wife, Hannah, and Hannah was like, yeah, you guys are being assholes. You're like making fun of somebody's music or making fun of somebody's set or something. We were watching a live stream and I was like, why the fuck are you watching that? And she's like, why do you have to be such an asshole? 
And I was like, oh shit, like I am being an asshole. And it's just because I'm not really being honest with myself. It's like, do I really think that watching this live stream is like lame or like uncool or something? It's like, no, not really. It's just, I'm not doing it right now. And it's like, I want the attention on me, not like, you know, whoever's doing this like performance that I think is like half-assed or whatever. And it's because I hate live streams. So I'm just like, anytime somebody's watching a live stream, I'm like, God, you're wasting your life. Um, but I was like, oh, this is actually like way more of what I want to get at. And, like I'm, I'm hurting other people you know, directly or indirectly, um, and to varying degrees, obviously. Like, it's not as bad as other things, but I think starting to be honest with myself, be like, well, why am I making these actions? And like, or like, why am I doing these things or saying these things? Like, is it because this is actually what I think? Or is there like another layer that I need to unpack before I address it and like bring that into like a social space? And I think the honesty is like the very first step the next step is like seeing if the people that you are, you know, intimately connected with, are are you doing things that are good or bad for them? Things that negatively affect them? Things that like could make their life harder, even if neither of you realize it? Like just having that kind of um, self-examination process, which like I obviously am obsessed with because I like grew up super religious, very shameful experience, like, you know fucking jerk off in the shower or something and you're just like oh fuck I'm going to hell or like something like that but it's like I feel like doing this it's the same thing you're like talking shit on somebody's music and you're like well fuck like am I really am I being honest with myself here like do I really hate this or I just hate the idea of it or I hate the fact that it's not me doing it like I hate that I'm not getting the attention um, and a lot of things like that which is kind of why I've started to address ego and all that kind of stuff recently which is like not a new idea or like a new thing for creative people to deal with obviously and it's like almost overdone at this point but like I was saying earlier it's like I only have a limited experience I'm a kid basically so it's like I'm I'm trying my hardest to be able to function in the world that I like kind of propelled myself into without asking anybody's permission does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah the thing is uh, it makes a, a, a lot of sense and brings me back this idea about the the, the, the conflict between acting openly regarding your own self and, and truth, and then the potential conflict with with certain social contracts and stuff that it's beyond your own agency, and so and how sometimes this, this sort of, uh, for example, the inflammatory uh, attributes of these podcasters, right, right. Um, they can afford this because there is a huge layer of privilege. And this is problematic because thinking about this generation, particularly your generation and the generations to come, uh, and I see this with uh, students of mine, they talk about notions, very contemporary notions, like polyamorous relationships and stuff like that. Right. that this uh, can be afforded at the expense of certain uh, subjective privilege of class, structure etc and actually if you talk with um sort of orthodox left-wing 
guy, probably an old white male right. uh, guy, but he will say to you, yeah, but actually a uh, working class dude cannot afford to be in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> This is a sort of bourgeois sort of fantasy. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I fucked my life up trying to be polyamorous. That was like, <laughs> that was not cool. Uh, yeah, but probably within a million of people that were in the same sort of... No, 100%. Yeah, same wavelength. Yeah, and I, I think even, you know, if you want to extend privilege to having access to the internet to even know what polyamory is, if you're, you know, like, not in these really hip circles of people who know what all this, like, stupid shit is anyways. And it's like, having having access to the internet is like a huge privilege that I think has, like, I'm obviously very privileged. My parents are like middle class, you know, white people in America and like whatever. But they both have jobs and, you know, like I, I was fine growing up and now I'm fine here. Like, I make significantly less money than everybody I'm related to. But like, I don't make that much money. Um, but like, I, I think financial like privilege is just like a small, small step, like, or a small part of it. Like having access to the internet was really what changed how I started thinking about everything. And that might be like a combination of having access to the internet and age and also the age of the internet, kind of like everything progressing so rapidly at the same fucking time. That it's just kind of this like cacophony of like ideas that like maybe aren't, aren't the best ideas, but they're around so much just because it's circulating. But I don't know. The polyamory thing is really interesting. I want to know more about what you think about that because it's something that's like... I don't have an opinion. I mean, I, I live a very uh, conservative life in general <laughs> or, or with the sort of taboos that um, incoherences that you can expect from someone who was born in 85. Uh, right, but at the same time, you must see like students or something like you might you might see these like relationships or interactions, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and I am super interested in that. But right, yeah, I, it's not necessarily thinking about it in like you know the purity or ethical kind of thing that we were talking about earlier, but like just assessing it almost like objectively, like. Obviously, it makes sense. No, you think about it in abstract terms and you say, yeah, yeah, right. what the fuck is this uh, patriarchal sort of a structure that we have been reproducing for millennia? Yeah, but the <laughs> next the next step is not for 18, like, the, the very next step from that thought is not like, we should get like 12... 18 to 20 year olds all fucking. <laughs> like, that's not the solution to that yeah. problem. Uh, yeah, no, no, and um, actually that you cannot unpack, uh, I mean, history is scattered and it's like a geological uh, strata that it's de determining you in a way that you cannot say, okay, let's unfold the blanket <laughs> that we have in the backpack and it's sorted. No, right. yeah. it's going to be fucking difficult. And actually, now it generates contradictions in different, I mean, anthropologists, I guess, they can give us uh, cues about this phenomenon in different cultures that since we are all like, yeah, uh, citizens of, in general, cities and stuff like that, we have a very determined point of view. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, my experience when when 
<laughs> what I see is like chaos and when you have a lot of energy, I mean, I cannot give you, I am pretty sure you, you have a much bigger and wider uh, view of this. But yeah. I mean, I have like, never seen anybody under the age of 30 do it well. Like, I can I can see how this is the case. Yeah, 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 but it's like, oh yeah, I think that's kind of where I come from with everything, right? Like it's like I don't have the ex the life experience, like not necessarily that thing, because like I'm much more in a different. I'm not like 18 years old, uh, but like I'm not. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it, I don't think people get into it. I, I I think this is the same with like drinking age in different countries, like. I don't think people understand like just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it and like you can't handle certain things that people you know with a similar experience to you but like it might be different or like a similar amount of experience but different experiences and, and obviously there is this problem of nominalism without saying I am in a polyamorous yeah. relationship obviously for decades and decades and decades you have people in multiple relationships overlapping each other is just that you were not being honest again uh, right. it's like you were cheating your wife uh, but yeah. yeah you were you were invested in multiple affairs emotional affairs right so, yeah yeah it's I love talking about this. This is great. Um, I, I really, yeah, I think it's so, it's so interesting. And I think kind of the, it's, it's almost similar to, God, I don't want to like, I don't want to be the person that connects like uh, free improvising musicians and polyamory, but like, it's not that fucking far off. Right? Yeah, but so far I haven't seen it happening on the stage. I mean, I saw the, the Viennese actionist kind of going for it and making the communes. Well, in fact, yeah, Radu Malfatti was invited to play in the commune. Uh, in fact, yeah, they were doing kind of concerts in, you know, Otto Mule kind of commune, but that, that, that's uh, kind of very dark uh, and weird. Sorry. <laughs> Fucked, yeah. No, but, but even, like, improvisation, because, like, improvisers play with everybody, right? Yeah. Like, everybody wants to do a first meeting. Everybody wants to do a record with everybody. And it's like, that's the thing where it's like, everybody can play together because we're all improvisers and we all have free agency. And we all have, like, this individualism that, like, you know, makes us special. So where, like, we can interact with 10 different people and it could be a, such a different emotional connection, a different musical connection, and all these different things. And I haven't really thought about it until now. Um, but like the weird polyamory kind of thing and especially improvisers like it, it does make me think about it a little bit i don't really have a point with it i'm just thinking like watching all these people kind of like interact romantically and then watching all these like people you know three generations up like interact musically in the same the very same way it's so similar it's so bizarre where they're like yeah like i play with this person this person this person and like it's all very different duo. Like if one person plays with three other people, it's like very specific duos. Yeah, but, but you know what, Claire? Maybe what? not polyamory, but maybe it's like cruising. Fuck, yeah. Well, uh, I, well I don't know because people have established duos and established trios in improvising. Yeah, that's true as well. Which is the next step. But wait, no, I want to hear your cruising thought. Because I was thinking, do you know this um, Catalonian filmmaker Albert Serra. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So his oh last God, film, yeah, Liberté, uh, which is in the 18th century, yes. this cru cruising kind of thing. I was thinking about, yeah, they are talking about being very free, very extreme, etc. But at the end, they have a very narrow, um, uh, the setup, the standards are really fixed, like the standards of, hey, turn off the air conditioning stuff like that well that's what i'm saying it's the same fucking yeah, yeah. thing yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah but that's that's i think i think uh what it connects is in the question of individual in relationship to each other and that kind of fluidity uh on the one hand yeah it's a kind of uh, agency and fluidity and but they, so, you know, what are the connections and what are not the connections? The connections, you know, we already said, like, you know, it's like uh, very dynamic uh, and, you know, confident. You know, I guess, you know, there's an element of confidence and allowance that you can do it. You know, you can play or you can have um, relationships and uh, living behind previous structures, but a kind of... Uh, yeah, uh, overblown individualism. Um, <laughs> yeah, <he> said, <laughs> more and more I am buying the idea, yeah. And, um, and looking forward, I guess, you know, I guess you look forward and, you know, commitment is restricted to your, you know, desires of the moment or I don't know how commitment works in polymerous relationships, you know, but in improvisation, the commitment is quite temporary and see how it feels, you know, see, you know, whether, you know, how do you, yeah, I don't know, what is... It's, it's really interesting, though, because you could be like, you know, polyamory, you could be like, oh, we're just fucking. And it's like, well, you fucked so many times that you, like, got pregnant. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm fucked now. And then you're like, but then you're like, oh, like getting pregnant you're like yeah not to make not to simplify it and like dumb it down to where it's like oh you got pregnant that's your record and but like <laughs> shit like that and it's like well maybe you sh maybe we should be like a boyfriend girlfriend t type situation and it's like oh yes that's what the blank blank duo is called and it's just like all these things that kind of like it really is very similar like relationships and, and musical partnerships are very interesting and like when those things cross over like when you meet people who improvise that are fucking or married or whatever it's it's so bizarre and like you see the connections even clearer which is which is, this wild. is a very good theory that we are creating here i think so too but like i'm watching it happen like with multiple people like uh tom rainey like God, I love his drumming so, so, so much. This is a very juicy type of conversation, and I oh, think it's yeah. very. Matching was mentioning. You can say this again that you were talking with a friend that is stuck in Berlin during the pandemic and the polyamorous relationship. Yeah, like uh, you know, she's a she's into polyamorous relationships. Uh, he's not, but since she got stuck in Berlin. They got into this relationship, so they. And she's an improviser, right? Uh, she, 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 yeah. Well, she's a musician, yeah. And mm. and uh, yeah. So my friend is in a quite. I, th I think he would like it to be more, you know, to stay mon, you know, a, a monogamous situation. But it's only because of the pandemic that is a monogamous, you know. Just for, for health reasons, like no, because run. because uh, her relationships are elsewhere. 
Gotcha, gotcha. She was so used to traveling all around the world, you know, that, you know, it's like, and now it's like she was not living here, but she got stuck here in Berlin, and now they're, you know, but yeah, it's a. Ah, okay. So it's a result. It's a, an actual result of, of the, the pandemic. Pande exactly, exactly. And they're, and they're constantly, you know, like kind of, okay, is this the way we want, you know, it's like this, you know, it's like, what, you know, what if you could travel, you know, if you could, yeah, if we, I could travel, I would be polyamorous, you know. Would you be okay, me being polyamorous? Well, I don't know, you know, so it's a... So it's a <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, uh, I the thing I really like examining is, um, like, the polyamory thing. Like, where does that... Where does that... Or, I guess, where does being a single person start... Like, where does that en start and end? And then where does the polyamory begin? Because if you're a single person, you could fuck anybody, right? Like, when you start having relationships with people, like, I, I know single people that date, like, I do this. Like, you date multiple people at the same time. Like, not seriously, but, like, you could have an interaction with, like, two or three different people within the course of a month. That doesn't mean you're poly. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good, good question. I mean, what's uh, what makes it poly? I mean, I, I guess there is certain uh, commitment with the ideas of uh, of this, no? I mean, yeah. uh, this is my point that uh, obviously you had, I mean, long traditions of people having multiple dates at the same time without being aware of the potential ethical framework that being polyamorous is you are apparently engaging with a sort of ethical framework and set of rules that you make up with your partners or something like that no right like it has to be free improvised and it has to be exactly 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh... it's like well i i also love like the combination of, or not combination that the kind of how similar polyamory and like improvised music is that, like you it, the whole fucking thing is just trusting your gut like just trusting yourself to like make a gut reaction that is correct like it's it's really interesting kind of like if you don't know somebody very long and you're like well i want to i want to date somebody else too and it's like you're kind of making these decisions in the moment before you know the full picture like you know, 10 minutes into improvising like a 45 minute set or something. You're making these choices that are like, this could come back and fuck me at the end of the set. Or like choosing to interact with a, a, a second person in the same way that I'm interacting with this other person. Like you're playing in a trio and it's like, it, the decisions you make at the beginning of it or like earlier on can affect you later in a very specific way towards like, you start examining things about yourself more. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally. feel yeah, yeah. emotional I feel dynamism. It's like an emotional dynamism, and you, you know, willing to take the risks, and you know, trusting that you are able to deal with what the risks bring. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk about this with my friend Michael Foster a lot because he he's convinced that you know, uh, he plays saxophone. He he's like an improviser. You know, he knows he knows way more about that stuff than I do. Uh, kind of like free jazzy noise guy and he thinks all music is like hypersexual and like Michael's like really into cruising and all that kind of like just like connecting that with music which is kind of where I got some of these ideas from 
but when we talk about it, he was kind of he was explaining to me like you could have these weird encounters with in improvised settings where it's like it could be very sexual but not emotional, and then it could be very emotional but not sexual, and it plays it like bounces around your head in the same way that relationships do, where you could be like I don't really want to like fuck this person but I do really want to hang out with them and I feel like a weird connection to them that like is a little bit more than a friendship but like I'm not going to be poly like if you're already committed to another person and we would talk about our our improvised sets together on tour and be like this is it is very strange and it's almost like there's like so many ways to go about it but like Michael and I there was no like weird sexual or like you know that kind of romantic chemistry but we're very good friends so the kind of connection is that way but it's like almost like an exhibitionist kind of thing where it's like we know what to do to get a rise out of the audience and it's almost like it's like we get we get off on like doing a certain thing in improvis like improvisation that we know can like make the audience kind of like do a certain thing so it's like we do like a certain combination of mm, like you know so extended techniques or some shit and like the audience is like whoa and it's like yeah you're like getting them off and we're working together on that oh wow and yeah I, I was trying to think of examples where the two come together and this is you know this is not you know it's not polyamorous but maybe it's closer to cruising but it right, did actually yeah. happen it did actually happen to me oh yeah tell uh, the story yeah uh, i think it was in uh where, uh, where are um, black dice from? That kind of northeast place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the northeast U.S., like New York. Uh, up, no, it's up. It's Boston. Not, it's, no, uh, underneath Boston. It's it's a, it's a scene. There was a very strong music scene. Uh, it's not Philadelphia. It's not a uh, Providence. Well, it's Providence, exactly. Providence. Sorry. So yeah, we were yeah. playing life in Providence. Um, yeah, touring with Drunk Driver. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, we were doing this kind of gestures with the Black Hammerage High in Contra group that I have with Tim Goldie. Uh, it, it's kind of performative improv, wild noise, you know. Right. And at yeah. some at some point, I was kind of putting um, the hands uh, in the audience, you know, on the you know, on the ears, on the, you know, on the eyes, you know, just to kind of alter their perception. And there was this tall, cool guy who, while I was doing this, he actually opened the zip of my trousers and began masturbating me. And I, in a kind of plinky-plonk type of call and response thing, <laughs> just came to me to do the same. Right, yeah. So there we were, you know, just kind of masturbating each other, uh, not really knowing, you know, what, you know, but like, yeah, it was a, a very, very surreal experience. It's, but that is like, it's so interesting how the audience in the, you know, in a, a situation like that, because that's obviously very improvised. <laughs> it was very improvised. In fact, yeah. then, they, then we didn't have a place to stay. And I had to go and ask him whether we could stay at his place, you know. And he yeah. very kindly said yes. 
But this is this is the same tour in which there is a video on YouTube in which you are kissing with a guy, no, Matsi? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was a quite polyamorous tour, <laughs> no? Yeah, Martin, he was taking that tour stroke by stroke, baby. And uh, it's, it's that that is really interesting, though. Like, um, almost having your kind of relationship with the people you're performing with. And almost inviting other people into it. it, which is, I think, like a lot of like immersive performance work. That is like such a huge part of it. No, mm, like kind yeah. of you have your established relationship with whoever you're performing with, right? And then on top of that, you have the people watching, and you can invite them into it. Like you can have it be like audience interaction or whatever you want to call it. And that's kind of like cruising too. You're like, well, like maybe let's pick up this other person for like three minutes out of the set. And it's, it's like, it's, yeah. but it, it, I mean, your example is like very clearly sexual, but like it, it could not be also like, uh, yeah. my friend Lavender Suarez, she plays under C Lavender. Yeah. She yeah it's has a like, good friend. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I really like her. Yeah. She does the same thing where it's like goes through the audience, especially for like the more like meditative sound bath kind of things and like putting like cupping your ears and like putting like hands over your eyes, telling you to close your eyes. And it's like it's very interactive and it's very intimate. And in this way where it's like there's almost like a sub dom thing going on where it's like you're kind of sub like submissive to the performance in this way where it's like you're sitting there and it's like can I put my hands around your ears and you're like yes please and it's like that it's a very weird experience I yeah. I think that is like you know there's like so many sexual elements to music yeah I, no, I, 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 must, I must say a couple of two because I'm remembering yeah with the guy that I was playing just before at the early concerts he used to play in a skirt. He's half Scottish, but basically he used to play with a skirt without, you know, uh, underwear. And you remember, you know, like you have this black, you know, Jack black, and then, you know, like Sonic, you used to, you know, like put it with the finger and everything. Right. Well, basically, in early performance, uh, I used this is to... disgusting. Uh, I know this. This is, this, this is giving me... Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, basically, yeah, uh, doing it uh, <laughs> in his anus. That was, uh, yeah, early... No, 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 know. but this is not the stuff that... I think you mentioned this with within inside the uretra. I know, that's he. He himself used to put it inside his own penis, you know, like, just like to do this... That's the stuff that I don't like. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah. yeah, some sounding shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another one is um, in, for a concert. It was dark, and I was going to each other with a microphone and asking people, in order to fully appreciate this concert, I need to lick your ears. And some people say yes, some people no, but you know that's what I what I did. I I like the um, the consent aspect to it. Like obviously it's respectful, but at the same time that per like kind of opens up a whole other dynamic, like a yeah. trust. Exactly. Like, that's that's am that's amazing. What I really realized is that people were so because it was I was like talking to their ears. Nobody could hear it. Right. And in the intimacy, there was no posturing. It was like, it was, there was real honesty. Like, you yeah. know, because there was no either, there was no somebody else watching because it was dark. Nobody could else could hear it. And you were doing it with a lot of care. And, you know, I guess they got, you know, surprised. But 
every response was extremely honest. And no, you know, no posturing kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's this is going to be released, no? No. Yeah, By yeah, yeah. Erica Smith. The, the leaking ear thing. Which is... It is going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. But it's... The, then the, emo the emotional... The emotional aspect. The... the, the um, not purely erotic or um, no, because I, do, I I don't think like it's erotic. Oh, it, it can be like erotic or sexual, but I don't think that's the primary objective. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, but I was thinking about fucked up dynamics. Right. Of, yeah. for, of, for example, like this sort of uh, communal war has nothing to do with with uh, improvisation. But for example, the dynamics of work of this. Uh, like late 70s film crew of Fassbinder, friends, and so these, yeah, yeah, these yeah. people, these people, they destroyed their minds. <laughs> if honesty was like, they, they ended like, I think they had a good time and a very bad time at the very, uh, uh, at the very same time. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Very no, no. tough. Like, yeah. it's hard. It's like, it's, it's a real war. You know what I mean? Emotional war. No, yeah, I mean, I think, I I think there's like a a level of honesty or vulnerability or whatever on the performer's part too. Like, like, I mean, even what we were talking about a second ago, like going up and like whispering or licking or whatever, like in the ear, it's like on on both sides of that there's a trust, and on both sides of that there's like um, a vulnerability. I don't know. I, I feel like anytime you stick something into somebody's something, it's there's like a lot of trust. <laughs> no? Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. Right? Like if yeah, you're sure. fucking, yeah, if you're in a hole, you're like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really asking like for a lot from somebody. Depending on whatever hole that is, it could be fucking dick hole. And that is scary shit. But like, But but do you know what I mean? Like it's diff it's also different for like each way you do it, and I think that that's like a whole other world. I but yeah. I mean sound sound is you know entering through holes. I mean it's just like it's a different kind but of. But that's what I'm. Yeah. It's it's, it's a lot. Like it's, it's it's more a more a penetration rather than a hallucination. Like cinema is like a like a hallucination with your mind, and right. sound is more like a penetration. I, yeah. Because you cannot, it's very difficult. You can close your eyes, yeah, but, but to close your ears and so even sometimes it's very difficult. It's well, yeah, and I think that's why I'm, I'm not educated at all in like uh, sound pollution and, and all that kind of stuff that happens in larger cities, but there's like totally an assault dynamic to it too. Like sonic assault is like something people say all the time for like fucking noise music or whatever. But it's like, it's a real fucking thing. Like somebody can be physically assaulting you it's like you could close your eyes it doesn't make it less penetrating and it's like not to get dark but like i think it's the same way like it's um it's almost like one of those things that i don't know it makes me almost want to ask people if i can play before concerts well like that's the next thing that's the next thing consent like can i can i play like if anybody in this room is uncomfortable with me doing this like 
playing or you, if you don't want to hear music right now, you should leave. So, because I'm <laughs> answering your hole, but like, or your two holes. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know. I, I, I think it's... That's it's really much, cool. It's much more complex than what we're making it sound like, but, like, it's it's a big deal. Like, it matters. And it, I think it's... Caring for other people is so important. And I think I think you could also get something out of it where it's not totally, like, an, an assault on the ears or anything like that, like, where you're licking somebody's ears or talking quietly into the ears. Like, that could be such a beautiful experience. Like, such an enjoyable thing too and it, and it's i i think t- thinking about things in that kind of way that's where the honesty and that's where like the care comes from not the actual act but like assessing it in your mind before you do it but i guess that's the tricky thing and the and the and the how the problem also of improvisation which you you know you try things out without really knowing how is it going to turn out yeah, obviously, when you do that to people, it has many different repercussions. And I, I try to play the audience as an instrument, and, you know, it can go... I mean, just often, you know, people are willing to give, you know, they're open, you know. I mean, people who come to these kind of things, there's a certain openness. So, um, you know, but, yeah, obviously, it can also go a bit wrong, but I think, you know, for me, the worst was like boring sets of expected improvised music, you know, that's more offensive than right. a, a bit of transgression. Obviously, the, the Well, yeah, are, like, it's the same thing as like you're fucking somebody and you just do it so gently and so, uh, like, emotionless or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like a, such a, a physical act, like with all mental and emotional things kind of thrown out the window. I think that's the same thing with improvised music. It's like, yeah. it's almost more offensive that you like didn't enjoy it or you didn't connect with somebody. You're like, didn't put yourself out there and yeah. kept yourself closed off the whole time. I feel like improv is a improvising musicians do that a lot of the time where they're like, they have their own little world, but they never open themselselves up to the people that are in the room with them. Absolutely. And, and, and that, yeah. That's offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a it's a complex one, yeah, because there are, there is a certain openness, but within given parameters, right? You know, and but the parameters are not to be acknowledged or to you know reveal as limitations, you know. No, because <laughs> that would that would make it sound really experimental. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's the problem. That's you know, and but they need to be, and I think because what you are doing is like much opening the parameters so far wide that then this you know. Uh, previous parameters get exposed as you know like well you know it's quite a narrow framework that you're working with you know uh, right. the, the, yeah. other, the other you know other forms of improvisation and there's but there's another like you know i'm sure there's somebody that makes me look like that too you know and i feel like i even work inside parameters uh, and uh, maybe i don't know what all of those are at this point but i feel like in five years from now I'll be I'll be on some other trip and I'll be like doing some shit that's like no rules. My friend uh, my friend Haley's trying to go to space. There's like a program here in the US where it's like they send musicians to space to orbit the earth. Oh wow. And she's and she's trying to do that shit. And I'm like, damn, like I'm trying to tell people that like you know, like I'm like, man, like improvised music's kinda like fucking and kinda like polyamory and cruising. And then like my other friend's like, I'm going to fucking space for music 
And I'm just like, yeah, like you're totally blowing like blowing the doors open. And like like you look at improvised music and like it has to sound like this. It's like some fucking FMP shit. Like just like some fucking like trio playing basically like a little bit noisy free jazz and it's just like jesus christ like you take those parameters and then you're like yeah this like 24 year old 24 year old chick who like you know her last job was like stripping she's going to fucking space like that's uh, for music as a musical project like that's that's an insane thing compared to absolutely fucking like you know shredding your balls off at auto or whatever it's just like I, I it's like not a bad thing either way but it's just such a, a difference and i think i think like acknowledging the limitations is kind of where the honesty comes from like this is this is what i can give so like yeah what do you would you say your limitations are at the moment i mean it feels you know to me that you already broke many but you you you, you are able to acknowledge them those limitations I think slowly, and like as I acknowledge one, I try to change the other, you know? Like try to have a one in, one out kind of policy, like working on something so I can uh, be at least like a little bit more open to to stuff in the future. Like, I don't know. I I thought for the longest time, like putting beats in music, like things like in a time signature at a BPM, like, I don't know. I played drums in bands for a really long time and then I started doing free improv shit and I was like, oh, anytime somebody comes in with that swing groove, you're like, oh, that's so gay. Like, fuck you, whatever. That's lame. And it's like, yeah, like when the band comes together for that fucking like in time, like shit at the end, like some Sonic Youth shit or it's like that, like you would be like, oh, that's like not cool. It's like, but honestly, acknowledging that you can't do that and doing it anyways is kind of more progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think my limitations right now is like I realize that how much I hate having beats in music and having like God like ambient music with like some sort of like deconstructed dub shit. I'm like God, that's like so fucking dumb. But at the same time, I'm like, I mean, props to them for like taking that risk. Like, I I don't want to do that. <laughs> but like, like, what do you want to do now? I don't well, know. Or in the future. But in the last record we seen. Uh, the audience can see certain glimpses of the engagement with particular beyond the, the, the framework or the, the frames of reference that improvised music generally use as tropes, etc. Right, and you, yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned hyperpop. Yeah. But the autotune bit is fantastic. It's like really, but it's so naked and it's so there. You know, it's a uh, right. Yeah. So it's 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 great because it's it yeah it works perfectly because it's certainly you know it's like okay it's an element that is very old you know used on all kinds of music but on experimental music it's not that explored and there is you know put there well, in such a raw way and it works perfect. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, like using using things that are traditionally seen as a crutch as a, you know, exploration tool is, is I don't know, not saying that I'm the first person to fucking do it because it's been going on forever. But like using things that are traditionally seen as lower quality or like class or intellect or whatever, like that, you know, I mean, that's how fucking free improvised shit is like, you know you read all those books about who, who like you know 60s 70s improvisers and it's like oh they're seen as like lower class musicians because they do this shit and it's like well at this point 
experimental musicians, it's like a lot of it is so like academic at this point and like it's institutionalized almost in most places. And it's like those people, like fucking John Cage, probably not a huge fan of fucking auto tune, but the dude was a dumbass. So like, I mean, he's a great fucking whatever, but like, the, the, like the dude like doesn't he didn't like black people and it's like yeah because he like fucking saw black people as like lower class which is like racist one but also like he never incorporated aspects of jazz like he hated jazz whatever hated black people and or not hated but you know like criticized black music a lot and I think there's a very similar aspect like uh, there's like a very similar thing going on now. Like, John Cage was, like, really against popular music, especially when people, like, like, it's, oh, God, it's so fucked up. Like, when black people, like, finally got the right to, like, they just, like, had fucking rights. Like, what the fuck? Like, as soon as that happened, John Cage was like, I hate jazz. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, Like, you're just taking this thing that's hip and cool and being like, oh, I hate this. And it's like, no, there's so many other things connected to it. And I feel like it's the same now with, like, hip-hop music and, like, rap music and and fucking auto-tune or whatever. I don't know. Like, shit that's on on music made by people that, you know, primarily are not white or, like, are deriving their music from not white people. It's like, if you hear somebody, like, do, like, a fucking, like, rap verse with auto-tune over, like, free improv, like kind of free-ish jazz or whatever, most people would be like, oh, man, like, it was such a burning track, but the rapper ruined it. And it's like, not opening yourself up to that is, like, the first problem. And, like, it could be a bad rap verse, but it could be fucking great. It could be a sick verse. And, like, nobody, like, I don't know. I just I just feel like there's shit like that happening all the time that, like, people people are like oh it's not that progressive because it's like pulling from this one thing putting it into the other thing that's like no it's just you trying to like hold on to some sort of feeling of like superiority like which also comes with like not being honest with yourself that like oh maybe the shit i'm doing is outdated i i don't know i I just like i really hate seeing that kind of cycle happen over and over and over again especially in america where like all that music comes from and i'm not an expert or like know anything but like i know that the shit i do comes from black people and like the but the best i can do is like say like yeah like black people did this thing like so i could copy it and do it but like acknowledge the fact that like i'm getting praised for it by you but like the other people sometimes you know don't yeah this is interesting because there is a difference and actually between improvised music and, I don't know, even electronic music that comes from uh, Afro-descendant community. And then, uh, yeah, the contemporary classical Mm -hmm. tradition that comes from, yeah, white dudes in highly institutionalized Mm -hmm. organizations Mm -hmm. and academia, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even jazz is institutionalized at this point. And yeah. that's, like, that's fucked. Well, yeah, but you could say that the black community in the States conquered that territory at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, think con- conquered might not be the right. The yeah, right. no, maybe it's not very accurate, but... I, I, I feel like black people, 
I mean, like, there's a huge power, obviously, that they have internally, but, like, institutional shit and, like, academia, like, you, like, racism is still the thing, so these people are still marginalized, so it's like they're not conquering really fucking anything that they sh have to be, like, they have to conquer shit because they've been, you know, yeah. fucked since day one. Like yeah, conquering, yeah, yeah. conquering just to get to a baseline level with people that look like me, you know. Well, maybe not exactly like me, but like most people. <laughs> uh, I was using conquering uh, in a slightly different way. In in terms of there is this, actually, it's a new territory that Do you it's mean not conquer like overcome, or, or even like discover, discover that you mm. can survive in this margin. <laughs> you know what I mean. And you create the environment in order to navigate this this landscape. In the case of free jazz, whatsoever. But obviously, you are, yeah, you are still under the dynamic of the colonized territory and the metropolis. You right. have the metropolis, which is like the academic jazz, whatsoever, etc. But you have this sort of. A territory where you can play free jazz, etc. Be, yeah, within uh, boundaries, but ex expressing certain um, yeah. I don't know. No, I I I am going nowhere here because I yeah. see I see problems, but but. See, like, look at that. You're being honest. Well, instead of <laughs> instead of continuing your point, it's very improvisational, really. Um, <laughs> but no, like, it's the same fucking thing. Like, you're playing something, you're like, ah, fuck, this is going nowhere. I should just stop. And instead of, like, letting it die out and kind of, like, resolving the point to fucking save yourself, to almost, like, be like, well, but I mean this thing, but, like, I'm not going to talk about it. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as, like, you're, like, doing, like, a burning some fucking free jazz shit and like instead of like just like stopping you're like actually fuck this this sucks like instead of picking a good time to stop and like let other people react to it you're just like i'm gonna let it die down and then it just becomes this really like inoffensive but at the same time but like, very offensive this like inoffensive like smooth transition and it's like is that progressive at all like dipping out like really just like fucking pussyfooting around the shit like yeah i don't know i i I admire you saying like, yeah, this isn't going anywhere. Fuck this. I I did a a piece a while ago where I was I would do the the feature on your phone. We can share your screen with like a projector or something, or whatever, like the screen share thing. And I would just like sext, like obviously it was the other person's identity was concealed, but people I know that I've had relationships with, like doing the sexting thing, where you like have phone sex or whatever, like either over texting or video or whatever. I would do that and it's projected in a different room and then people would walk in and out and they'd get to see like the live feed of the phone at whatever stage that was at. So sometimes it's just like, oh, you look so pretty. And sometimes it's just like, I want to fucking stick my dick in your ass. Like shit like that, it could range. And people go walk in at any time. Um, but like it could be either a projection or a live performance, which is very similar to what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I did that one time and it didn't work out. It was offensive. Why? It was offensive. <laughs> it was yeah, but 
Whatever. But was it honest? I mean, that's the thing between being, you know. It well, was that's what I'm odd. saying. I didn't yeah. think it was offensive. I thought it was really intimate and like really gorgeous, like, like very thoughtful. Like, I don't know. It's it's also like something I'm really inter- interested in exploring, like sexual interactions and like emotional interactions over technology. Like, I mean, I've been interested in that for a long time. But like not necessarily like online dating apps, but like other other ways of translating that, like email and like slightly older things than like app app dating shit. Um, but that was kind of like that was investigating that idea. I had no no idea that like this kind of performance has happened um, with people that I know. It's like crazy. <laughs> that everybody's kind of on the same fucking page, but nobody's talking about it. Yeah, well, maybe maybe this is. Uh, I mean, maybe if this conversation is one hour and a half longer. That's we can cover all the bases. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like all the examples are on the table, etc. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you can continue this sort of Cronenberg thing of sex mediated by technology, <laughs> and, but by other means rather than uh, uh, cinema. Right, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I really like all the fucking, the new EAI fucking non-music, whatever. Like Chris Cole and Oren's thing where they do the mm-hmm. sex the sex record or whatever. Like, I don't know about it. Oh, yeah. Let me find it. Um, I I was like listening to it the other day for the first time ever. Um, yeah, Chris Cole and Oren Ambarchi, like they have a sex record that's basically uh, recording their intimacy, and I had no idea it even fucking existed. Wow. Me, ne- me neither, honestly. Yeah. And sounds neither. like the oh, most great. interesting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but. Yeah, like I didn't even realize that pizza existed because I'm, I'm just like kind of late to the game, I guess. But it was fucking gorgeous and wow, doesn't really nice. exist anywhere. I think it was 150 records and that was it. Well, yeah, but it's like from 2011 the recording. Okay. Yeah, and it's like in 2011, like shit, man. I was like just finishing high school. <laughs> So it's like, well, shit, like as a kid when that happened. And now I'm like investigating all these things that have been going on for like a decade. So, yeah, Yeah, like something that, uh, what kind of references have, or what kind of, I mean, you mentioned like there were uh, moments in the internet that kind of were big, you know, epiphanies or important moments that allow you to, you know, if you could tell just a couple of examples of moments that were, or in music, you know, music, you know, like suddenly music moments that you were because what kind of music did you listen when you were in high school or or towards the end of high school yeah like 15 to 20 I mean I I listened to like a lot of indie rock music I I quit high school really early well not really early but like I dropped out of high school uh so I, because my band was asked to go on tour with uh, the Appleseed cast, which is like an emo band here. Um, I was like in a rock band, but like I was, I quit high school so I could go to tour and play South by Southwest and CMJ Festival and like that kind of shit, like US 
festivals that college kids go to. And listening to shit like that forever. And like, I only really got into experimental music by listening to like Black Puss, Lightning Bolt, that kind of Providence thing. And like people that I know now and like people that I interact with. And it's super weird just getting into stuff from people who like are older than me, but like we're operating in the same kind of scene even up until now. Like it's kind of weird how shit stays the same um, for a very long time. But in high school, I was listening to like, I don't know, like broken social scene. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't know that shit. Lightning Bolt, uh, Hella, that band Hella. Oh man, I love Zach Hill. I was like, I'm gonna be him when I'm a girl. I'm gonna be a Shredder, just like that guy. Uh, I had learned, I had heard like a Love Supreme like once <laughs> at the record store. I was like, damn, this kind of rules. What is it? He's like, it's called Love Supreme. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I was like, can I buy this fucking Strokes record or something? <laughs> like, all that shit. Um, but yeah, I was like really into that. And then like 60s, like doo-wop stuff. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, like Lou Reed. Yeah. So I was like into all that stuff. I didn't even know who like... Stockhausen or Cage or whatever, like all that shit. I didn't know about that until I was like 19 or 20. And, and, and was the Graham Lampkin and Gabby Lozonzi like important for you? Like, like did they become important? Or I didn't even realize those people existed until recently. I mean, I have Gabby's <laughs> book and I, you know, Graham is a fucking, I love his shit. Like, I think he's brilliant. But, like, I didn't realize music like that was real. Like, existed. Like, I just started doing my own thing, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, of course somebody smarter that does this better than the way I do it, it has already been doing this. And it's the same thing with Chris. Like, Chris Cole had that, like, solo record she put out, like, over 10 years ago. And I just, like, had no fucking clue. I was just, like, doing this stuff. That I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like... I, I, what if I made music that wasn't like music and only like started getting educated when I started playing with people like my friend Mari who plays under that Maurice moniker when I was 16, 17 I was invited she was going to Cal Arts at the time she was a grad student here in the US and studying under Michael Pissarro and like hanging out with all those people in LA and I'm like 16 <laughs> and it's like, it was, like serious composers in this place called The Wolf in L.A. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, 16 years old, I was, like, really into, I don't know, like, Hella or something. And Michael Pissarro is talking to me, and I'm, like, drinking underage or something, like, absurd like that. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is, like, a, this is a real, this is the world I want to live in. Like, I've never interacted with people that get me on this level before. And now that's the world I exist in, and I know the history of it and everything, but it wasn't until fairly recently, like, in the last, like, ten years, I've learned everything I know about avant-garde shit and, like, experimental music or whatever. And it's just, like, bizarre to me to think that I was, like, 16, underage drinking in L.A. with my friend while she, like, finished grad school, and Michael Passar was in the corner just looking at me being like, God, what a fucking dumbass. Or whatever he was probably thinking. He probably didn't even notice, but... 
it, it's just like a crazy thing to think about, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about Graham or like Gabby. Um, and now that shit like, has, almost has like a history here, especially for like US stuff. No, it's, I think in general, no? Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's crazy. Like thinking about Gabby's work and seeing a bunch of people basically doing the same shit as her. Still is very tiny and it's yes. mi- microscope. It's micro, you know? yeah. But but it's well everything you do, the stuff that you are doing today, this morning with with your record, it's well. I mean, history right. is all unfolding. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a fact. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it just like every day something new happens and like mm. if somebody documents it or not, it's it's happening. And that's kind of how I felt about finding all that music. It's like, shit's been happening every day, and I just haven't been tuned into it. It doesn't mean it's not happening. It doesn't mean that my ideas are original, but it also doesn't mean that my ideas aren't important. Because I have tomorrow. If somebody did that today, like I could just do the next thing tomorrow. And just being open with yourself about that idea is really beautiful. Like, you do something, you find out somebody did the exact same thing 20 years before you and you're like okay cool but like now that I know somebody else has explored that maybe I don't have access to them to have a conversation about it but like what's the next step where, where do I go from here instead of just being like one like bummed out about it because you're not like original which like nobody is but at the same time it's like not trying to like not deceive yourself and be like yeah but the way I thought about it was really the right way or like really the, the true way to explore this idea even if it's very similar to somebody else like just being open to the idea that you could one be wrong, two learn from somebody, and like maybe three like do it in a way that benefits other people or like you know isn't I don't know it's it's really strange. 